All right. This is Safita Artist Mills, and you are now tuned into the Denia Azure Radio. Hello, Safita. How are you? I am doing wonderful, Denia. How are you? I am good. I am good. So I had the pleasure of not working with Safita because um, Save actually met her during Super Bowl weekend this year when one of oh, one of our artists, Ova, was able to open up for uh, Redman over in Arizona. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you are part of the United Empowerment Party. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So the United Empowerment Party is a political party that was established in January of 2021, uh, formerly known as National Cannabis Party, recently had rebranded, I'm sorry, under the United Empowerment Party late last year. And we are a political party that is focused and centered around cannabis and all the policy and legislation that impacts the cannabis industry, as well as just the plant overall. So we are working to impact policy and legislation on both the state and federal level, working with multiple states and individuals within the space to make sure that the industry is equitable and fair to everyone, making sure that restorative justice is included in the conversation, especially with so much talk around social equity and just really uh, holding elected officials accountable to the way that they are supposed to serve people in communities and bridging that disconnect that's between the people and those that are put into those positions of power because I really believe that there's so much more that can be done if things were more collaborative and where the community has a voice and they're able to speak directly to the people that are making these decisions um, that impact their lives directly. So we're hoping to be that umbrella that unites everybody together and to where we can see things change truly. Absolutely. So cannabis is a really uh, huge issue when it comes to this country. How did you originally get involved in it? Because it's kind of controversial. Uh, yeah, and, and it's amazing to see how it still is controversial with it being legal in so many states and that the stigma still exists and it's kind of, you know, even though it's legal, there's still so many things that are reminiscent of the prohibition era and the war on drugs. So um, for me personally, I've, I've been around cannabis my entire life. It's not something that uh, I wasn't around or <laughs> wasn't aware of even at a young age. And um, being from New York, I was able to see firsthand how people were treated when it came to cannabis, just, just possession, even people that were just using it um, medicinally and just using it uh, as a consumer, how they were treated like criminals and seeing people uh, go through that and being arrested and serving a ton of time for a plant. Like it just never made any sense to me. And there was always more that I wanted to learn about, you know, that particular issue as well as just why is it that a medicinal plant that does so much good for so many people for so many different reasons, why is it criminalized? Why is it used as a weapon against specific groups of people and communities? So that is was the beginning of me wanting to definitely get into the industry. And I started out um, dealing on the technological side and making, um, like working with disruptive technologies that impact, uh, 
you know, from a compliance standpoint and we're giving people more information and transparency and what they're using and putting in their body. And then I ended up having um, a very personal journey with cannabis besides being a consumer myself, being able to utilize cannabis for my child. I have a daughter who's five now and my daughter was born with a a severe congenital heart disease and she ended up having to have two open heart surgeries by the time she was five months old and at five months is when she had a full heart transplant so having to go through that process and understanding that um she was going to have a pretty challenging recovery and i was already in the industry so i started to do a ton of research and found that uh the university of south carolina had done a research study where cannabis was effective in reducing the likelihood of organ rejection. So just seeing that and understanding what my daughter would have to go through taking anti-rejection medications, which suppresses the immune system so that she won't reject uh, her heart. And that would just sent me on a journey of, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how to microdose my child so that I can improve her quality of life. And I started out with just CBD and then I added CBG uh, to her regimen, which she takes through tincture because of one of the things, well, several things that children who are born with cardiac issues have is not having an appetite. Developmentally, they may have issues, especially because of what she went through and how she had uh, coded several times before she received her heart. And then also uh, looking at the way that some the medication would impact her when it comes to certain side effects and things of that nature, including the possibility of her developing cancer from the medication that she has to take. So uh, adding CVG in was something that would be really helpful in um, preventing cancer and um, giving her everything that she would need in order to be able to continue to thrive, which of course, appetite was a big part of that. So once I started microdosing my daughter and I just noticed visible differences in, in her, just in her appetite and her behavior, her moods, like there was so much that it did for her that really improved her, her quality of life. And so I've just been really pushing and advocating even more since then for there to be more pediatric access and more research and development to discover how cannabis can be utilized for children like my daughter and other children who are born with chronic illnesses where traditional pharmaceutical medication may not be helpful. Absolutely. And Safita, I just know this is my guest here on Denia Azure Radio so what was the reaction of the family when you explained to them what you were doing to heal your daughter? Uh, well, for me, it didn't matter. <laughs> so um, because as a mother, like I always tell people one thing that you no one I don't think anyone could ever look me in my eyes and tell me that they're willing to let their child die or suffer before they allow them to use something that can save their life or improve their life in any way. And so for me as a, as a mother and, and just understanding what I know my child needed and just knowing that I didn't want her to continue to have to go down this path of constantly in and out of hospitals, you know, even for the simplest thing, like not eating or not eating well enough to where 
she could go and they were they would have to hospitalize her for failure to thrive because there were several children that um that did have that issue to where they had to go into the hospital just for them to maintain weight because they refused to eat or they would have to have a G tube to where everything had to be fed to them through a tube. So I didn't want my daughter to go through that. And then I knew for me, I didn't think that cannabis was something that would be uh, harmful for her. And I didn't look at it as something that should be that shocking, being that there are so many other moms that also made that decision when their children dealt with different illnesses, including people who have children that have uh, seizures. So people were just, at first they were just like, well, why would you do that? Why would you give, you know, your, your, especially a child so young, you know, cannabis. And it's like, well, let's look at pharmaceutical drugs and the side effects alone. And let's look at how some of these pharmaceutical drugs do not work. And when they don't work, it's just one prescription after another and not trying to get to what, why it's not working and what the impact is of that on the body. And I just know from my own experiences, some of those side effects can be pretty nasty and especially for a child. And I never saw my daughter have any type of re- adverse, um, I'm sorry, adverse reaction or any kind of like cause for alarm whenever I gave her cannabis. So for me, it was like, regardless of what people felt about it, I knew that was what was best for her. And I also saw the difference in the way that even the doctors would look at my daughter and say, you know, whatever you're doing, it's working because of how well she thrived and just looking at how she was progressing compared to other children who were transplanted around the same time that she was. So it was a conscious decision. It was an educated decision because I made sure I did my homework and my research, but it was one that that I had to make because I knew what was going to be best for her. And I encourage any other mom out there that's considering it to definitely do research and to find others that are already out here doing this kind of work and working with children, because there are pediatricians and doctors that are currently working with pediatric patients and utilizing cannabis. So there are other alternatives out there if there is traditional medicine that's not working or where the side effects are so bad that they have to try to find another option because that happens as well. Absolutely. So you guys just went over to DC a couple weeks ago. Yes. uh, To lobby. So what was that experience like? So yes. So we went on April 19th, we went to a federal lobby day and it was a really great experience. It was, It was very interesting to see so many people there for so many different reasons, so many different causes, and just to see the level of passion and people that were going to speak with some of these uh, from some of the staff, because not you're not always able to get directly to the congressman or congresswoman that you're um, anticipating seeing, but even just being able to connect directly with their office and talk to them about you know, what it is that you're looking to do or talking to them about, um, you know, policy and, you know, bills that are that you're interested in introducing or working with them in um, creating legislation around a specific issue. Uh, and even seeing youth there, there were, uh, I think there was a high, two high schools, there were two groups, there were high school students. And I think one group 
uh, also was a, a middle school students and to see them like actively engaging and articulating, you know, what, what their, their issue was and, and what they needed, you know, from these elected officials, it was amazing to see. And I think that those are things that are really important for people to learn more about and to become more involved because I always say it doesn't stop once you vote someone into office. That is really when the work begins. Once they're voted in, you know, you it is your responsibility to make sure that you hold them accountable and to make sure that if they are not serving your community in with whatever capacity they're supposed to, regardless of what district, what city, what state, or even if it's federally, you have the right to say, listen, you are not, you know, meeting the needs of our community. You are not listening to us or there's things that needs to change. You have to hold them to that because this is why I feel a lot of things don't change or you can't really move the needle, but, but so much because no one's organizing and coming together to say, hey, this is this is the problem that we see. And then here's a solution. So in addition to holding them you know, to their word and, and what they do to pander and say, you know, you know, vote for me and we're going to do this. And it happens every single time and you continue to vote for people and then nothing changes. And I think people forget that the power is yours. It belongs to you. You put them in the position that they're in. So you have a lot to say about where things are and where things should be because your community, where you live, where you work, where your children go to school, it is a direct impact on you when there are people that are supposed to serve you and it's not happening. Or you're constantly seeing things uh, spiral downward when it comes to real need that's, that is not being, real needs that are not being met in a community. So it was really great to see so many people in one space that were advocating for specific causes, or they were there specifically for something that they were very passionate about getting that message across to them. And I think it was really effective in a lot of ways because you're you're meeting them where they, they are and you're making sure that your voice is heard and that you're represented or that you're showing up as a representative of your community. So I thought it was great. I definitely look forward to to more of them and I encourage other people to attend or get with organizations in your community that are going to lobby days and start to align with them so that your voice can be heard as well. Absolutely. I've been to several lobby days, um, probably in Springfield. I have, I have not done the DC ones, but the ones in Springfield are always interesting because you see a lot of the same people that you typically see like in your city, but you're actually able to network with them and, and talk to them and they see that you're serious because you're four hours from your crib to to make sure that they understand that we really do need what we're what we're asking you for. Right. And we come and travel to you so that we can have this conversation. But I think it's really important that people understand the, the power of your vote. If yes. voting wasn't important, they wouldn't try to take the uh, to take it away. Because there's so many yes. states right now that are doing so many voter suppression laws, it's not even funny. They're even talking, they're even, well, there's a coup to basically have it so college kids can't vote because they know that a lot of the, the college kids are voting in their best interest and they don't like that. So 
they're trying to take that away. But again, if it wasn't important, they would be trying to take it away from you. So, yes, totally agree. Exactly. So, I just noticed my guest here on Denial Azure Radio. So, you introduced this technology called Gunmark. Tell us a little bit about that and how and how it uh, it got developed. Yes. So, uh, Gunmark is powered by Birthmark technology, and um, it is based is blockchain based technology that also incorporates you know Web three and uh, NFTs as well. So, I know people hear a lot about that as of late but uh the the whole purpose behind gunmark was the fact that when it comes to gun violence we don't we don't really see anything that is preventative and we felt like utilizing for one we feel that technology can and should of course be used for good. And we feel there in a lot of ways that, you know, disruptive innovation in the technology space is the answer to a lot of issues and problems that are happening that need real solutions. And I think for us, it was just a matter of, this is a state of emergency and this is something that is is necessary. It shouldn't be optional. And it puts the responsibility on the not only the gun owners but the gun manufacturers and making sure that not only are weapons accounted for that they can be traced even though people kind of have mixed feelings about tracking but when you're you live in a society where I'll give you one example most of the time when there is a um a murder committed unfortunately they're, the number one reason why cases go unsolved is because they cannot locate the murder weapon. And then you also have where there are accidental shootings, where someone got access to a firearm that they should have never been able to get to. And then you also have instances where people may have their firearm stolen, say out of their vehicle or what have you. And there is a crime committed with that firearm. Now that person has to try to prove that they aren't responsible and that they have nothing to do with what happened. And so just looking at different scenarios like that from things that I've seen, things I've experienced personally, and just knowing, just having my own, you know, two losses uh, where both individuals uh, in my family were uh, murdered, unfortunately. And so it hits really, really close to home for me. And what Gunmark does is it allows for there to be tracking to where there you are IoT sensors that are embedded into the firearm where you can track where that firearm is, um, QR coding that allows for um, providing a digital authentication for gun owners to where they don't necessarily have to carry around a permit and prove that they own that firearm, as well as um, making sure that there is a platform where, let's say in the event that someone has a firearm and they're within a certain, like say they're within 10 feet of a school or whatever that you know threshold is, where imagine if the school is able to be alerted in real time that there's a firearm in the area or there's someone that is approaching that school 
with the firearm, not knowing what the intention is, not knowing that if that person is intending to come and, you know, um, and shoot up the school because it, it happens a lot more often than we would have ever anticipated, which is insane to me. But if they were able to have time to lock down the school to where that person could not even get into the school to commit a mass shooting, imagine how many lives could have been saved right now. Imagine in a shopping center or in a church or any heavily populated area area or even a government building, if they were able to have enough time to where they have that warning and they have an alert that comes on their phone or whatever device that says that there is a firearm in the area. And as long as that is, is they get to a certain point, then that gives them time to, to shut everything down. Therefore, alleviating the, a, a situation that can cost plenty of people their lives. And then also thinking about, imagine if you have your, your firearm in a safe or you have it somewhere where no one should have access to, but it just so happens that someone, your, you know, your, your safe is open, someone gets the firearm out and you don't even, you're not aware of it and you get an alert that your firearm is not where it's supposed to be located. Now that person has the opportunity to figure out what's going on and therefore even prevent an accidental shooting. So the premise of Gunmark is to prevent mass shootings, to prevent, um, you know, these situations from happening because we feel that so, so much more needs to go into how can we prevent it besides just, okay, the aftermath and what happens after the fact. So, um, including when it comes to solving cases and, you know, if someone's firearm is stolen and they're able to report that now they have the opportunity to prove that if that firearm is used in the commission of a crime, they've already been eliminated as being responsible because they reported that firearm stolen. And now they can track where that firearm is and, and get that um, retrieve it and get it back into the hands of its rightful owner. So there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, thinking about what that would mean in today's society when it comes to technology and holding the gun manufacturers accountable to not only produce these types of firearms um, that has this technology, but even allowing um, whether it's corporate companies or, you know, organizations or that want to even sponsor communities, neighborhoods, school districts to where this technology could be used so that we don't have to continue to see, you know, week after week where there's mass shootings. Because I just would have never imagined that our children would grow up in a world where they can't even go to school to learn because of the possibility of something like this happening. I couldn't imagine as a parent what that would feel like getting that kind of a phone call. Like, I just, I don't even want to think about it because I don't even, I don't even know how you could even process that. And imagine just how many mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers and everyone else that has been devastated by these situations, what that was like for them. And I don't want that to continue. I don't want anyone to ever have to receive a phone call that says, that your child's school just had a mass shooting or you some shopping center 
like anywhere it does not really matter but just the fact that there are children that have died just going to school that is something that is just I can't wrap my mind around especially being someone that has lost someone due to gun violence so something has to be done and we felt like why not create something that is going to save people's lives that's going to call for accountability and not demonize gun owners for being responsible gun owners because it's not just the issue of people owning guns because people should be able to protect themselves I believe because I know plenty who have been in situations where they wish that they could have defended themselves um, in certain circumstances. So if people are responsibly carrying and they are authorized, meaning they are licensed and they have permits to do so, why penalize them for being, you know, responsible? It's in the event when someone isn't responsible that their their rights to own, a you know, a firearm should be taken away. But I just feel like it's not just simply about you know, people having the right to bear arms. It's about what is being done with that firearm and getting it out of the hands of people who do use them in an unlawful manner. Absolutely. You know, and I think um, I was going to ask you, what was the biggest misconception when it comes to gun market? And you already answered that question. You know, you're not, it's not about trying to just take away weapons. It's about actually just promoting responsible gun ownership. And you know, and like you were saying, if someone gets their firearms stolen and making sure that they're not held accountable for something that they didn't do. So um, what would you say is the next step when it comes to this? Uh, I would say that the next steps are just getting, getting the support uh, to implement something like this because of course you're going to have to have of course the gun manufacturers involved you're going to have to have you know law enforcement involved having um you know state and federal uh, elected officials to where they can can really push for something like this being uh you know mandatory or it's something that becomes a standard uh in this country especially with with just what we're dealing with right now that doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. So everyone involved within the process, just getting the support as well as being able to um, even create piloted programs to where we can start in areas that are like heavy, that are heavily hit by gun violence, as well as areas where they have had, you know, multiple mass shootings and trying to figure out the best way to roll it out to where it can become a standard uh, across the country and even you know around other parts of the world. This is not something that's limited, of course, to the, Uni the United States, but just speaking from what we've endured here in the past several years and how it continues to increase. So um, that would be the next steps. Awesome sauce. So we're headed to New York uh, to come see you next yes. week. So what can people expect when they come to the presentation regarding this issue? Um, I think I think people can expect uh, um, just coming from a personal place that this is something that is not just about 
putting something together that is based off of, you know, what you can make from it or just monetizing, you know, an opportunity. This is something that is very, very personal um, for me. And I think that when people walk away from that event, once they're able to really understand the why and and that my why and our why as a collective is is very, very much similar, that it will push people more to want to not only support it, but to be able to put more pressure on those that are in positions of power to make those kinds of decisions that this is not just something we want. This is something that we need. So I'm hoping that when people walk away, that they're able to under not only understand the technology better and the importance of it, but what would be how they could be helpful in making sure that this is something that gets implemented wherever they are, because I know that there's so many that this this touches and even people who haven't been impacted personally, it doesn't have to happen to you for you to care. And that's something that I want to definitely convey to anyone who's listening now and anyone who's going to be present uh, here in New York. I really want people to understand that you you should not wait until it happens to you for you to care or realize how important this is, how much of an emergency this is to implement something of this magnitude. So um, that that's about the best way that I can, you know, explain it, because like I said, it is personal for me for many reasons, but I know it's also personal for many others who even just witness all of these things that continue to happen. Absolutely. So with everything that you're doing, when everything is said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? I want, uh, I want my legacy to be one of service. Uh, I think I always say my life is my ministry. And I believe that leaving a legacy that is a path for others to follow in, I want it to be one where people will take that baton or take the the initiative to help someone else, to uplift someone else, to do things that's going to not only empower others, but that's going to make people's lives better. I want to leave here knowing that I helped to make other people's lives better and that I helped people as much as I could and served in every capacity that I possibly could because I believe that there's so much more good that can come in the world if we learn to just come from a, a heart of service and, and how we can help each other because I we don't have to always think about you know, ourselves or our own personal thing, but understanding that it, it really does take a village. And I think if we start to pull that village together, then we all can create legacies that's going to continue to serve the next generation in a way to where it constantly pulls people up and that it, in a way that allows for community to be what it once was. Because I think this is, is so much brokenness in community and with so many things going on, it's really hard for people to even think about others because they have so much that is heavy and weighing on them and it's burdensome on them. So 
if we're able to collectively come together, we can share those things. And it doesn't have to be so heavy on one person. And then people will begin to understand the power of unity and collaborating and coming together. So I'm hoping that I can leave a legacy that is a pathway to all of those things for others to follow. Absolutely. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, and book you. Yes. So you can find me on IG as at so Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. So um, most of my social handles are the same thing. So even on Twitter, it's the same thing. Uh, you can also follow at United Empowerment Party on IG and, of course, unitedempowermentparty.org to learn more about Birthmark Technologies. You can go to birthmark.io. And uh, that's pretty much it. And, of course, you can always reach out to me on IG. Send me a message. Shoot me a DM if you want to connect with me directly. But there's definitely going to be other platforms as well that's going to be coming soon where people will be able to reach me as well. Awesome, Saz. Thank you so much, Queen. I truly appreciate you. You have such an amazing story. And your vibe is phenomenal. And I cannot wait to meet you in person next week. I am super excited. I appreciate it so much, Denaya. Thank you for inviting me to your platform and being able to talk about these things because I am, I'm just looking for people to continue to build this tribe and continue to do, you know, great things in the world. And so I'm looking forward to it. Thank you again. Have an amazing day. You too. Thank you, Denaya. Bye. Bye.